Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the seeing of shadows to my prognosticator of prognosticators, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Did you get that reference? Did you get it? I didn't get the reference, but I nailed it in one take, baby. That was a that was a mouthful again. You're making these even harder. I I try. I try. Challenge accepted. Yeah. So who is the prognosticator of prognosticators? Uh, according to the script here, Mr. Robert Lundgren. Well, in reality, that would be Puxatani Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Welcome to episode 101 of the Forgot My Dice podcast, the first in the countdown to the bicentennial. (laughs) 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 Only 99 episodes left. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see you back here in uh, early 2023, I think. Uh, Yeah, math works out on that. (laughs) No, wait, four years, right? Yes. Well, foreign foreign change. You're right. You're right. Right. So I'll so see early twenty five. Early twenty five. <laughs> hey, it'll be time for my thirtieth high school reunion. Woo! Woo! Yeah, cause I'm old. As always, let's get this episode started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on, the servers running, and the questionable references questionable. And Jonathan, allow me to wish you a very very happy. National Date Nut Bread Day. That is oddly specific. It is actually the only one on this list for today. So we had wow, to do it. really? Yeah, it's December, baby. Like as you get closer to Christmas, less people want to take stuff. Because like, what are you going to do? Compete with Christmas? <laughs> I mean, there are several in the running, but yeah. Munch on some date nut bread, and uh, it doesn't even. Oh, it, it does have a hashtag. Hashtag Date Nut Bread Day. Have a good time. Post on social media. I might challenge accept this and go try to find some date nut bread. I don't think I've ever had a date. I, I, ha! Oh, phrasing. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Well, you've got enough kids to. That's true. We all know that that's not true. That's true. I have done the deed at least twice (sighs) and gotten three kids out of it. High fives. (laughs) Your batting average is amazing. Um, I've had date nut bread. It's good. It's good. Um, usually kind of squishy, spongy, uh, similar to a good carrot bread. Ooh, I like that. I'll, yeah. I am intrigued. Maybe maybe I'll challenge accept dense. that. Very dense. Anything with dates is always dense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. Unless we're talking about my high school love life. Hey-o! But um, bum bum. No I have no idea what that means. I, I, yeah. As in, I had no dates. That's oh, see, oh. no no don't, don't feel too bad i did not come into my own until after i graduated high school as well so i'm just over here just at two brute because mm-hmm. you're just stabbing this joke in the back thanks buddy you're welcome that's why i'm here well with that murder of humor uh it is time for our off the shelf segment this is of course the segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelf onto our tables and into our hearts in this the last episode of Doom Year. Yeah. Knock on wood. Let's make that next year good. Yeah. 2020. And I don't care if you have to beep this out. 
you. <laughs> it's been nice knowing you, but you can ride off into the sunset with this giant middle finger pointed in your general direction. Knock on the wood. We don't want it to like challenge accept and throw one more curveball at us. Let's well, just... I'd say politically speaking, that's been taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> But I am knocking on wood right now because that you're making me paranoid. I, I am paranoid. I do, I do not want. I do. I do not want 2020 to say hold my beer and go for one last swing. <laughs> oh man, there are still. Uh, <laughs> what are we looking at here? Uh, 17 days left on the clock. Yeah, but but gentle listener, for you it will merely be tw- uh, 10, 10 days left on the clock. So lucky you, not so lucky us, I guess. There you go. Start the countdown now. <laughs> At 11.59 on January 31st, I will be saluting 2020 with both hands. (laughs) Moving right along, let's go ahead and get started. Um, We have some some stuff from from, uh, the fans. Yes, Ray missed his AMA question because he only had two months to post it. (laughs) But he has a lot of kids. Like, I have a lot of kids. Ray's got a lot of kids. That yeah, yeah. That's 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 a lot coming from you. Uh, so his question to us was, "What are two things you like best about your co-host?" Well, I mean, quite literally, there's not just two things. Like, there's no thing that I like best about you, Robert. Like, you're just a good dude through and through. I respect you. I love you, and I'm very proud to do this show with you. Aww. Okay. In no particular order, I will list off two things I like about you. One. As a emotionally immature dude who was raised in the 90s, you are quite free to espouse your affection to other men, and I respect that. That is a good trait to have. Thanks, buddy. So bravo to you. I, Secondly, I, think, I think that's my mom's foreigner genes coming through. Because mm, I did get a little dose of the uh, Latin upbringing there. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's good. It's a good look. Well, thanks, bud. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. That's the key thing I really like about you. I can't think of a second thing. Like it all, it's all, it's it's all going to kind of just distill back down to that. I think. I mean, besides that, you like all the same crap I do, and you know, yeah, that makes it easy. And we yeah. have good jokes, and we have a lot of good laughs, especially in our text messages. Oftentimes, I'll open my phone and just giggle maniacally in the middle of a meeting, which is not a good look when you're on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, did he just get someone murdered? You just like your phone. <laughs> you're next give me what i want (laughs) also gina asked me to clarify when i said i was a domestic goddess because also uh i talked to brendan and brendan i i i maybe i ribbed him too hard on that i don't know okay so there's a long story to the domestic goddess i will try to distill it as best i can i used to watch a lot of Nigella lawson on e on her show uh nigella bites i i i had a crush on her i'm not ashamed to admit that when i was in my early 20s uh yeah and i like cooking shows i like alton brown for the same reason and i watch binging with babish have you ever watched Binging with Babish? Can't say that I uh, can't say that I have. He got his start making food from TV shows, from media, you know. So he made that absurd taco from the Taco Time thing from SNL, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he he made the moist maker. He tried it out from a, a Friends episode where you you have a third piece of bread in the middle with gravy on it, and that was re- a really good idea. So yes, I like cooking shows. Anyway, moving on. So at the same time of that show, her book, How to Be a Domestic Goddess, came out. I don't know why. That title always amused me. Maybe it's because I play D&D. I have no idea. It always stuck with me. So uh, when I started home dadding, I started calling myself a domestic god. And then randomly, like not all that long ago, like a couple of months, it was, it was during COVID times. Uh, it was early in COVID times. But uh, 
Madonna's song, What It Feels Like for a Girl, came on, uh, and my, my daughter heard it, and she didn't quite understand. Uh, there's this whole monologue in the beginning about, you know, uh, 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 it's okay for women to act like men, but if a man acts like a woman, it's it's bad or something. I, I forget the exact quotes of the monologue, and I had to explain it to her. I had to explain sexism to her that day, which was which was fun. That was a, that was a good time. That's always a good day. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so at that point, I, I made it a point around my children to just say, you know, if it, it's true, you know, there is nothing wrong with being, you know, feminine or whatever. So I started just christening myself the domestic goddess because, yeah, you know what? It's it's all good. I'm trying to make an hey, example. You're making a point. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. So that that's that's all where that came from. I did not explain it when I said it because, like I said, it's it's a very old and long story. And uh, yeah, it's several months old at this point. So I, I kind of forgot. I just assumed you all knew. I feel like this episode started off with you cracking a book and this little cloud of dust poofing up and saying, it's a, an old story. <laughs> and now you've just slammed that book shut and we're at the end of the movie. Directed by Ron... Um, who, who that? that would be a Ron Howard movie. Directed by Ron Howard. Yeah. Or or somehow we got uh, Angela Lansbury to sing Tales Old as Time again. Oh, we could call it Dungeons and Dadding. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Somebody get my agent on the phone. I don't have an agent. Hello, Jonathan. This is your agent speaking. Oh my god, I have an agent. Yeah, it's me. It's Robert. Same person. That's fair. That's fair. yeah. You couldn't tell, but I I made I did like the Aloha Y sign language thing. I was holding it to my ear like I was using a telephone just for added effect. I want you to know that selling it. I was selling it over here. I like it. I like it. My 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 little lamp is out. That's upsetting. I'm gonna <laughs> fix that. Your little lamp. Yeah, I got this cute little lamp from my desk, and I just tried to turn it on, but now I'm a no go, no light. <laughs> but my idiot dogs get under my desk sometimes, so I'm wondering if one of those uh, two managed to get it unplugged. I don't know. I'll have to look. Oh, okay. We'll we'll report back in the next segment then. Yeah, there you go. I'll check it on the break. I'll check it on the break. There's no reason to stop this train because this train ain't. <laughs> There's no stopping this train. Okay, buddy. Where do you want to start? I I have done a lot. I've done a lot. I have not. So um, okay. Well, right, Shotgun through your movies and TVs. Go well, first. first let's wrap. I just I, looked at your list. I know. First off, first off, before we get going, I want to say. So we were talking about the co-op 4X game uh, that that I mentioned in the last episode a little bit, and and we kind of came up with like a pitch for it. And having played Star Trek Ascendancy, spoiler alert, I I, I kind of want this more now. But yeah, I was thinking it would be like the Federation it, using a Star Trekism, you know, that basically all four players pick different races and then everybody gets each other's technologies. So you're starting like conglomeration of your Federation uh, matters because you get different technologies because in Enterprise or, or in the Star Trek lore, one of the things they said is the Andorians had really good shields and that's what they brought to Starfleet when, when Starfleet got made. And yeah. so Federation ships got cool Andorian shields and better warp drives from the Vulcans and stuff. I, I don't know what the Tellarites gave them. But yeah, so anyway, we need to expand this idea a little bit, I think. I'm down right. whenever you want to discuss. <laughs> I, was really in, I was thoroughly enjoying our, our, our text message string there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, just, I was distracted that day. It's been a weird week. All right, all right, all right, all right. So movies and TV. Been watching uh, Jelly's Marble Runs on, on the YouTube. Oh, uh, man, I have so much to get caught up. Yeah, they do a qualifier on Friday, and then they do the race on Saturday. I am more invested than I should be in it. And I had hope for my Team Momo, but Team Momo has been sucking the last two races. And they were in third in the overall rankings, and now they're in fifth, and I'm very upset. 
I, I, Team Momo always gives you the hope and then they take it away with just their mediocrity. It's really sad, Jonathan. It's, it's very upsetting. They qualified eighth in the last race, Jonathan. They qualified eighth out of 16 and they came in dead last. How do you do that? Um, I mean, with mar- with the marbles, <laughs> something's not rolling your way. Hey, oh, uh, finished up. We are the champions. Uh, again, recommendation from Brendan first edition and quite good. Highly recommend that series. It was very entertaining. Uh, the first batch of episodes was kind of better in the tail end, but I really, really dug the yo-yo episode. They did one about competitive yo-yoing, which was amazing. And they, actually, actually, no, I'm wrong. They went out with a bang. The very last episode was frog jumping, which is a thing that happens up in Northern California every summer. True story. In high school, I made a student film called Super Kung Fu Yo-Yo Boy. Yes. A, we talked s- about it. Uh, did we? It, yeah. One of the Bond movies with the yo-yo saw. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so stupid now that you've you've reminded me about that oh speaking of stupid bond movies boy that was octopus about soon get into that get into that anyway yo-yo boy do you have a do you have a thought to finish that up with or no it's just uh what did you say you said something about yo-yos yeah yeah it was it was the we are the champions it was about the yo-yo nationals oh yeah 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 i don't know it's it's not often a that we get to talk about yo-yos or b that i get to reminisce about my high school filmmaking career Yeah, I, I would recommend uh, the the yo-yo episode and the the chili the the first episode, which was about um, uh, she was the first episode. Oh, the cheese the cheese rolling was amazing. Uh, yeah, the chili the chili eating uh, yo-yos and frog jumping were were high standouts in that. They were they were fascinating to watch. Also, and and they had dog dancing, which was so utterly bizarre to watch i can't even put it into words jonathan i can't it was that show that show's quite good and rain johnson you know he does the narration of it and he does a really good job like it, something it, tells me he cracks up a lot no no he's he's really serious in that show no i know but what i'm saying is when he's reading it like yeah, i bet oh, he yeah. cracks up a lot and then he has to re-record that section yeah yeah and it's funny uh, in the in the frog jumping one he referenced a, a story by Mark Twain uh, as kind of like the inspiration for the frog jumping contest and then like just randomly he says like you know I forget what the, the story's called I, I had it up on my thing but then I rebooted my computer and that tab went away and I'm sad but uh, he, he's like you know the the frogs of whatever county by Mark Twain Google it it's awesome <laughs> it was a good moment it was a good moment so highly recommend. Uh, I started watching a new guy because uh, I was doing the Bob Ross thing, and now I'm watching a dude named James Julier and uh, following his iPad uh, Procreate art tutorials, and I've been working on an image. I've sent you pictures of it. Uh, I got stuck for quite a while because I had to draw these trees, and, and none of the colors were looking right. So I, I, I finally found a palette. I think that works. But yes, I, w- I will post that on the Discord as soon as I'm done. Um, my wife has been not feeling great of late, so she's been going to bed early, which freed me up to watch John Wick 1, 2, and 3. Oh, there you go. What'd you think? I love those movies. I'm not going to call them great, but I sure to love them. The first one's great. The first one's really good because it's a dumb action. It's not actually, it's not even a dumb action movie. It's actually a very intelligent action movie because they do really good world building and there's a lot of very clever dialogue in it. And it's, it's just, it's a very good thing of showing not telling yeah like it's it's exquisite like the first one's great and the second and third one go way off the rails and they're not nearly half as good because like the thing i did not get about the second one is uh so the bad guy 
uh, hears that John Wick is back. So gets John Wick to do an impossible task for him because he needs John Wick to do it. Like he, so implying he knows who John Wick is and what he can do. And then he double crosses him, screws him over, and then acts surprised that John kills his way up to him like he did to the guy like the other day because it takes place like a couple of days later, you know? And it's like, what did you think was going to happen, fool? Like, I, I, yeah, like the, the villain picked up the idiot ball hard. Like the whole movie hinged on like everybody knows who John Wick is and everybody seems to forget that he's an immortal gunfighting murder god and he, he will just kill you. Like there's there's just no way around that. I never thought about it that way. Thinking about him as the god of murder. Yeah, no, he's 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 the gun god of murder. Like, yeah, well, I, yeah. I like that description. That's kind of apt. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one, John makes a very poor choice at the end of the second movie, and the third movie well, is all about him Robert, suffering for that choice. When you fall into a career of killing people for money, some would argue that perhaps you've made several bad choices in your life. Yeah, but it's just like he he. he 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 grabbed the idiot ball when he did that. You know, it was just it was just bad. Like the the second movie was bad. The third movie tried to like pick up the pieces decently enough and they got into the more of the wacky world building and stuff that I liked, but it was still it was all hinging around a second movie that was not great. But Lawrence Fishburne was in the third one and he was excellent. Actually, he was in the second one too. It gives my heart so much joy to see Lawrence Fishburne and um Keanu Reeves back on the same screen. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. That didn't even occur to me. They were just Lawrence Fishburne was just being amazing as as the as the 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 Bauer King, uh, a mob boss who apparently has street urchins like he's freaking Sherlock Holmes or something. Hey, he's got know. a thing for pigeons. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I like birds. You can't hack a pigeon. Yeah, not that I want a bird. They make a lot of noise, <laughs> but I like them. I like to watch them fly. So we finished up Truth Seekers, uh, the TV show. No, you're ahead good. of me. I, I, Carlos lost his privileges, so I, he, we're, I'm falling behind. <laughs> it, it's good it's good it, it's again it's a little bit more horror on the horror comedy but it's got its moments and uh, i'm looking forward to season two it 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 ends strong like i don't think i quite found what it wanted to be quite at the end but it was like figuring it out and i'm like i hope it keeps going because i think like a second and third season will, it'll get their formula a lot more tight and it'll be much more interesting because of it yeah that, that happens so often with shows which is another reason that i get so disappointed when things get canceled after less than a season because you know it, it oftentimes takes I mean, looking at you, Next Generation, uh, a couple seasons to find your, your footing. You know, a lot of people dog season two of TNG. There's a, the problem with no. season two of TNG is I, I'm actually a Pulaski liker, um, although I'm, I'm glad she I went no away. With her. The highs of season two are actually pretty good because like measure, I think Measure of a Man is, is season two, and that's a really good episode. That's a great episode. The problem is the lows of season two are also real low. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 there's no valleys. It's just peaks and, and pits. In yeah. It, it's, it's, it's like nothing but like rogue waves, you know, just really high, high and really downtown. And there's a lot more down than up come to think of it. But yeah, anyway, uh, I, I agree. Sometimes shows need to find their footing and, and, and true seekers, they, they, they had something good, like the core of it's good and they're, you know, it just needs a little bit more time to sort itself out. So I, I'm glad hopefully they'll get that. Um, Star Trek Discovery. I'm ahead of you. Didn't, you didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, just no, no we were talking. Spoilers. We were no talking spoilers. before the the episode. Michelle Yeoh is just uh, a, a god of of acting. She I was can't wait. So I'm good. So this past episode. It was so good, Jonathan. So speaking of which, 
So we got into it on Discord about me hating on Solo and all that. I just I just want to say, people, I am a Trekkie. I'm not a Star Wars fan, and you are definitely more of a Star Wars fan than you are a Trekkie. And I've noticed you are far more forgiving of, of Star Wars' sins than I am and vice versa. So That's fair. I'll allow that. I, I I'm not the fun police. If you like Star Trek, just because I'm hating on it sometimes, don't 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 take it personally. I you know if yeah yeah I don't want I, I don't want to take it away from something. I, I do want to have rational discussions about story beats because I I think that's important. But yes yes please enjoy your Star Wars. I I, I hold no ill will to Star Wars. I like Star well Wars. and and having just watched uh, Rise of Skywalker, uh, please rest assured that I fully understand that it is a terrible movie. <laughs> And that there really is no saving grace. I mean, it's just a car accident. All right. Yeah. And then last but not least, me and the wife started up Cobra Kai last night. All right. I, I keep starting it and then getting distracted. So to, to bear with me here. I'll, I'll get back into it. I'll get caught up. I'll get through season one this week. Okay. Well, I, I'm only like, I think we're four episodes in. I think actually we watched it twice, come come to think of it. But yes, uh, so far so good. It's It's really... That show is fascinating. How many episodes in are you? Just out of the... Three, I think. Okay, so I'm not much further ahead than you at all. I, I, I know we've done four. Okay, so what is fascinating about that show, just like, like so... It's exactly what I wanted out of that show. That show is about trauma, you know? Oh, that it is. Without yeah, a and it's so... Long-term trauma. No less. Yeah, and, and not just Johnny. Like uh, Daniel, uh, you know, Relusa or, you know, whatever, Daniel. He's got trauma, too. Oh, and, no, without a doubt. I mean, like, he kind of behaves like an asshat uh, at the beginning uh, because he is suffering from that trauma. Yeah, and and it's just – it's so weird that they they took these crappy – not crappy. Karate Kid's a great movie, but what's a good way to say it? They're not, they're not high art, <laughs> shall we say, right? Yeah, it's fair. And they took these characters and then logically extended, like, how that passed if you looked at it from a real – real life air quotes point of view how that would affect you and it's it's actually really good like it it you know i mean like johnny very clearly is dealing with like anxiety and depression and and just a whole bunch of stuff and and he's kind of a screw up and it's just like but like i feel bad for him because it's not exactly like his fault you know because i it makes me want to because i i've i've read now stuff on the internet about how johnny He's he's an a hole and he's an a hole in the in the show, but he's like not the bad guy of the Karate Kid. The bad guy is the dojo master. Johnny is like another one of that dude's victims, and that's what you know. And I want to go watch that movie and and like see it because like the you know yeah it's it I don't know it's fascinating. It's it's a really interesting place to take the show. And it, it reminds me of the final season of Steven Universe where you know you have this like kids show and it's about saving the world and doing all this cool stuff, and then you sort of check in on them a little bit later and it's like it, it's kind of awful and traumatic what they went through and and you know and how it affects them in the future is just fascinating and yeah i don't know like props to that show for actually like really kind of diving into the depths of of you know dealing with trauma and dealing with just awful things that happened in your childhood and how it's really hard to shake them even you know what like gosh that first movie came out what 84 85 i can't even remember now uh that yeah that sounds about right yeah, so you know we're checking in like thirty plus years later. Uh, yeah. The Karate Kid was nineteen eighty four, so this would be thirty six years. Yeah, I mean, dang, and and actually like taking a good, interesting look at it and kind of a, a dramedy. It's 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 a good show. I'm digging it so far. I don't think that that a show like that can exist without 
the status of of a classic movie from our generation's childhood because we're powering that, right? Yeah. No, I agree. It makes me it makes me kind of interested in, in them doing a, a Goonies sequel that's along the same lines. Oh you know? man, that would be dope. Yeah, like checking in with all those kids as adults now, and and like all of them having you know found this treasure ship and like probably clearly peaked at that point in their lives, <laughs> and you know it's all downhill from there. Like and just dealing with oh, man. With if all I could that. take state, I'd I'd go back. If I could go back, I'd take state. That's what it is. If I could go back, I'd take state. <laughs> Never a bad time for a little Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> All right, so what's your uh, what have you been watching? All right, what have I been watching? More Mandalorian, which you're behind on, so I won't uh, won't spoil it for you. But suffice it to say that every single episode this season, I have opened my mouth, dropped my jaw, screamed like a child, and relived the happiest moments of my entire existence. Um, and I've also watched every single episode this season at least three times because there's that much to unpack. It is so. So good. No exception for this last one. Without any spoilers, it's it's the, the one where the hired gun from the uh, Imperial uh, Navy comes back. Uh, you'll recognize him from season one. And I have so much more to say about that, but we can't because you haven't watched it yet. Uh, have, have you heard all the good news about Star Wars shows coming to Disney Plus, by the way? Um, yes, and I'm totally stoked. I'm just hoping that they're not sacrificing quality for quantity because what I've been so impressed by, uh, with Mando is, is quality. So we're going to get the Obi-Wan show and Hayden Christensen is coming back. As I know that one. That's, I know. And that's I'm, interesting. I, that's interesting. I'm, it's going to be interesting to see Hayden Christensen without uh, direction by, uh, George Lucas. Right. Right. I was just telling Gina or about that dialogue from George Lucas. Cause like, I hate like, sand. Hey, because Hayden everywhere. Christensen and Natalie Portman are both very good actors, and they were terrible in those films. Oh, God. Natalie Portman is is probably one of the finest actresses on the planet right now. And her performance in that, I mean, I've, I've gotten more life out of a 10-day-old dried-out potato. Yeah, right? So they're, they're doing an uh, Ashoka show. Is it Ashoka? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. They're doing an Ahsoka show. Uh, which is set in the same time period. So it'll be Rosario Dawson. They're doing a Rangers of the New Republic, um, which is, Dune. yeah, which is yet another, and it's going to be set during the same time frame as the Mandalorian. They're going to do an Andor show based off of Rogue One. They're going to do, yeah, there's, there's, so there's it, a lot. In, in many respects, they're kind of doing what they did with the Marvel shows, tying them all together. Yeah. Which really genuinely worked. Um, my question is how these the the Andor show and the Obi Wan show uh, kind of clip in because those are different. Like Obi Wan is supposed to take place like five years after uh, Anakin becomes Vader. That doesn't make any sense because it's been a while. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but I mean, have you seen uh, Ewan McGregor? Like the dude doesn't age. He's immortal. Uh, he and Tom Cruise basically. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it right. That's Me, true. on the other hand, I look at a grilled cheese sandwich and I can feel my ass expand. So I don't know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Also, the, uh, the the what they announced for uh, the Marvel shows, I'm I'm actually pretty impressed by. They're making a Miss Marvel show, and then they confirmed that the Miss Marvel character. That's no, a will... movie, right? No, no, no. Miss Marvel is going to be a Disney Plus TV show, but Miss Marvel is also going to be in in Captain in Captain Marvel two. The same character, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I really, really, really like the director that they got for uh, Captain Marvel 2. Who is it? I don't remember. Nia DaCosta. 
Okay. What has she and done? And Nia DaCosta um, directed Little Woods and directed the Candyman remake. Oh, that's not even out yet. No, it's not, but it's getting really, really, really good, good press, people that have seen the seen it. And, I mean, it's being written by Jordan Peele, and he's been on a tear, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. And if you've had an opportunity uh, or not, I mean, go see a movie called Little Woods. It's, it's quite good. It's got Tessa Thompson in it. Little Woods also um, has my uh, some of my favorite character actors, like Lance Reddick's in it. Lily James is in it. So yeah, sorry, we got on a very wide tangent off of that. So so anyway, Mandalorian, yeah, Mandalorian, uh, good. Lots Moving of on. good Star Wars stuff coming out, and Mandalorian season two is just of a jaw dropping level of quality. I'll agree with that. The way they film it's fascinating with the, oh the LED God, screens amazing, and stuff. Right? Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's really cool. It works it's, really well too. You would not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated if more TV is going to go that route because science. Anyway, uh, anyway, let's see. Um, sat down with the older kids and we watched uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Recently. Oh, you saw Henry Cavill reload his fists. Uh, well, I've seen the movie before. I don't know why. I just really wanted to watch it. I, I guess I I just because you wanted to watch Henry Cavill reload his fists. Like that's I mean, the best like, thing ever. Can I just say that that might be one of my favorite fight scenes from movie of all time? <laughs> Not just because Hen- Henry Cavill reloads his fists, but because like that one dude gets tossed through the wall through the mirrors. And then that other dude, like, just gets completely flipped and beaten up. And, I mean, it's just, it's a good fight scene. And that movie is so taut and so well put together and directed. I'm really impressed by it. Yeah, yeah. Unlike some other movies we're about you know to talk about. That's Christopher McQuarrie that wrote it and directed it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who you will know, of course, uh, as the writer of the original um, uh, Usual Suspects. So lots of good there. Uh, and then um, we started but didn't quite finish, although I might have snuck the second half in uh, when nobody was looking, Mad Max Fury Road, which, my God, George Miller, you're a genius on every level. Mad Max Fury Road might be one of the greatest movies ever created. I will agree with that. It's quite I mean, good. It, it's, it's taut. It's well put together. It has amazing characterizations, amazing performances. Uh, but more importantly, uh, it is... It is the greatest chase movie ever made. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then there's a new show coming to Netflix that I watched the trailer for, but I wanted to put it on the list because not only will I, am I planning on fully embracing it, but uh, also enjoying it for what it, what it is. Uh, Netflix is getting a new show called The History of Swear Words. This sounds right up my alley. Uh, hosted by Nicolas Cage. Do <laughs> I have your attention? <laughs> And the trailer is amazing, and Nicolas Cage is pretending to paint something and talking about swear words like it's an art critic. It's amazing. I can dig it. I can dig it. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that's it for movies and TV for me. More to come. Let's talk about reading, because it's right underneath and relatively short for both of us. What have you read? Uh, So I got Lindsay Ellis's book, and I haven't read it as much as I should have, but it's called Axiom's End, and it's quite good. Do you know who the Lindsay Ellis is? uh youtuber yes and she said a lot here and there for uh various youtube channels and you know reviewing whatnot she was the nostalgia chick for a while um it's funny like the book like i can hear her talking because like i i don't it's just the way one of the characters thinks it's it's exactly the way she sounds and it's i enjoy her youtube work yeah yeah it's it's a good book it's about um where I'm at, there's possibly been an alien first contact, maybe. 
<laughs> and one of the characters is trying to piece it together. So, and it takes place in 2007, which is interesting. But yeah, it's, it's so far so good. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully get. I just added it to my reading pile. There you go. There you go. Uh, not a ton of titles. I did finish up. Uh, did I mention I fin- finished up Lovecraft Country last time? No, you were reading it. I don't think you finished okay. it. So yes, I finished up Lovecraft Country, and let me say the following. Um, kudos to the people that made the TV show because they took a very, very complicated book and made it into a, an excellent translation on TV. And also, uh, American history sucks and we should be ashamed. And yeah, there's some moments in that book from those time periods that if you're not second guessing what happened and, and maybe understanding a little bit better what's going on in the world, then maybe you have a serious empathy problem. I, I, I think that's important to state. Uh, it uses this fantastical world of wizards and magic and Cthulhu as an opportunity to explore um, racial history in America and just some really difficult times in American history. And it's it's an amazing piece of work in that respect. What Lovecraft Country, from what I've heard about it, does well is it, is it takes like the cosmic terror of unknowableness and applies the black experience to it. And it really – they jive surprisingly well together considering how racist Lovecraft was because, oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it. And, and both the book and the show acknowledge that real quick. <laughs> they're not they're not shy about calling Lovecraft what he was. I can't recommend the book highly enough, and I I, I think it's a it's an eye opening read. Um, or if you watch the show, I, I can't recommend the show highly enough. Uh, it, that's an eye opening watch. I mean, if you if you take the the fantastical elements out, the 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 real star here is these chunks of american history and and that's the stuff that's real and happens it happened i should say but even to some extent still happens and and yeah it's um it's it can be tough it can be really tough to watch and and read uh all right on that uh heavy note uh i think that covers oh uh the other book that i'm reading uh babylon's ashes the sixth book in the expansers i i haven't read it so i i i'll say yes hold on Yes, this is book six in the um, uh, Leva- or the the Expanse series. So after this, I'll have uh, two more published and one to be published next year. And then they're done, right? They're going to just do nine? I believe so. But there's some side stories and stuff that I can read as well. Well, Jonathan, today marked day 33 of my Ring Fit adventure. Okay, so I take it we're moving into video games? Yes, yes. And how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Uh, how's that planking? Planking. I, I plank so much, I, I got I got a, a title uh, called uh, Way Into Planking, and I wear it with pride. Because <laughs> planking sucks. It sucks so bad, Jonathan. Afterward, do you look at the TV and just go, planks a lot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, I got a healing spell where you do on your back, uh, like hip thrusts, you know, it's a, it's complicated, but you can also do like, you could set up these attacks and whatnot and just do like an exercise regimen. And so like, um, I've, I've had some like lower back issues 
strengthening that area of my, my back. That was like right where it hurt, you know? So I'm like, Oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe that'll help. So, uh, I was doing it and I would do like, you know, maybe 10 and I'm like, I should do more. So I set it up to do like 20 and still I was doing it easily. I'm like, is this doing anything? I'm like, Oh, I'll just try 30 and see how it is. And then I, that was yesterday. And I woke up today and like my legs hurt in really weird places. And I'm like, Oh, yep. 30 was where it was at. That was where my body kind of hit its limit. (laughs) (laughs) Still an excellent, excellent, dumb video game where you attack people with exercise. It's hilarious. And, and it's got a Metroidvania concept. I just got the double jump. It's good times. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> also, real quick, since we're on the, the the subject of video games, I wanted to point out a quick uh, news story that was available on Kotaku, mm-hmm. talking about the new consoles. And this is important because I actually managed to get my hands on one of the new consoles, but that's neither here nor there. Microsoft's big push, this not just this generation, but in general, um, has been backward compatibility, right? Yeah. So... This group of people uh, got together and they had a variety of different Microsoft consoles and it turned out to be one from each generation and they all got copies of Crimson Skies, High Road Road to Revenge, which I'm a big fan of, Mm -hmm. and they network linked all the consoles together and so you had an Xbox, a 360, an Xbox One, and an Xbox Series S all system linked together and doing multiplayer Crimson Skies. And that just touched my heart. Wow, weird. It's amazing. Sometimes it's easy to forget some of the really good social aspects of gaming. And it's funny because I was just having this conversation with a buddy of mine about when we used to drive back and forth between each other's houses, um, hauling a multi-hundred pound 27-inch TV uh, so that we could play Halo together uh, on, on System Link. And so seeing this just really makes me happy. Speaking of the Series X, you've been playing Cyberpunk on it. I have been. I have been. So do you want to talk about the console before we get into the game? Uh, okay. It's friggin' huge. I've heard. I've heard it's like three GameCubes stacked on each other. Uh, that two. Two? Two. Okay. And a half. <laughs> two and a half? Two okay. and a half. I'm looking at it right now. That's uh, pretty did big. I, did I text you those pictures? Size no. comparison pictures? No. Oh, you did on. not. I'm sorry. I thought I had. Maybe you didn't. I wasn't paying attention. So I have it sitting next to my Xbox One X and my PlayStation Pro. That'll give you the size comparison. About the same height, but man, does it have some hips. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a monolith, right? Yeah. And look at the top view. It's 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 huge. Right off the bat. Um, Microsoft has been changing their um, operating system on the Xbox uh, One to match the Xbox series uh, of consoles. So it's kind of nice because you turn the, the, the thing on and you're like, oh, I'm super comfortable. I already know how all this works. It's super quiet. Like it whisper quiet. Uh, there's some really good teardown videos online uh, to take a look at the way the architecture is laid out. And uh, my goodness, uh, there's a reason why it is super, super dense. There is a giant metal chassis on the inside. Uh, it's part of how it dissipates heat. The reason it's as large as it is, like the entire top third of the console is nothing but a giant cooling fan. <laughs> so I, I I would definitely suggest watching that teardown video. It's, it's really interesting. But um, yeah, super quiet. Runs just like an Xbox One in terms of operating system. But even for older games, the 
performance boost that you get is amazing, especially for games that have been um, optimized for the Series X or S. Okay, so let's get into Cyberpunk. So I've been seeing a lot of stuff on the internet that <clears throat> Cyberpunk 2077 is not working that well on the PS4 and the Xbox One. There, there are a lot of angry, angry articles about it. It got so bad that Sony started letting people refund Cyberpunk 2077 if they are playing it on the PS4. And so besides that, it has all these weird bugs, which, you know, is typical. Yeah, so you've actually – you're playing it on the, the powerful hardware. So I, I'm assuming you're not having any of these graphical weirdnesses, right? I've certainly seen my fair share of odd bugs like the floating bum that I sent you or the fact that my uh, – my male character's dong uh, hangs through his pants. <laughs> You've got that bug. That's funny. Really awkward when one of the kids walks in just saying, just saying, <laughs> thanks, CD Projekt Red. That was a conversation I didn't want to have. Also, my, my, my lady character's boobs were like ripping through her shirt at one point. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of that one, that problem too. But aside, aside from the, the little bugs, which we all know that they'll get stamped out. I mean, if they, to, to be absolutely fair, uh, like look at the Witcher, uh, the Witcher's release. Like they they see that thing through to the end. Like it's going to get passed. So, so this is this is this is the problem, though. Like apparently it's not optimized at all for the older hardware. And so like people say it looks like a bad PS3 game because like the textures are all fuzzy and like people's faces look flat until you get about 10 feet away from them. And, and there's all this like weirdness with it. And it's kind of fascinating to watch because, yeah, the, the graphics are so low res on on the older hardware, like like kind of like weirdly low res. You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be that low res. I've seen better games on the PlayStation 4. So, so. It, it's important to say these are all my opinions and this is just my individual experience. I've not right. seen any of that. Like, well, but you're on the better hardware, so yeah. Just, on on the Series X, there's there's two modes that you can choose. There's um, a quality mode, which focuses on on graphics, and then a performance mode, which focuses on frame rate. I've got it on quality mode, and I got to tell you, like, I have not seen a a frame rate dip anywhere near the point where it's visually uh, noticeable. Now I'm only like five or six hours into the game. Keep that in mind. But it's uh, it's really it's it's a pretty game. It's a very very pretty game. And this isn't even like optimized for the the hardware. Uh, like ray tracing's not on or anything. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens when they when they kick it up to the the, the next gens. Um, I guess there's like a patch that you can do if you're coding for the Xbox to make your games like X and S compatible. So yeah, I mean I, I'm having a good time with Cyberpunk. It's really interesting. It's a very neat world. Like it's very immersive. It, like, much more immersive than than other RPGs I've played. It's a cool world. It really feels like it should have the Blade Runner name on it. That's what it feels like. Yeah, well, it, it follows the same fluff as the the cyberpunk role playing game. The interesting one is the the new cyberpunk role playing game. It takes place in the year twenty forty five, not twenty seventy seven. Well, shout out to Mike Pondsmith, uh, who's the writer of the original game, because uh, yeah, he made a neat world. He made a really neat world. Yeah, I like the idea of cyberpunk three aka cyberpunk 20 xx because one of the things in that was there was like a data crash and so no one's actually sure what year it is anymore because since everything has gone digital and like finding written records in that era is like hard when a lot of that data got erased like people didn't know stuff anymore 
<laughs> because they had to like reconstruct it off of what people basically remembered and not actual text or books that they happened to find. But, you know, it's a dystopian cyberpunk future. So there aren't a lot of books. I, I mean, even now, like think about it. If all of the computers fritzed out now, like how much history and knowledge would we just lose because it just doesn't exist physically anymore you know well let me tell you what we're not going to lose because i just refi- i'm in the process of refinancing my house um how about the 18 pounds of paper that i had to sign for this stupid refinance why is that not digital just asking there you go but yeah no it's it's an interesting idea to think about like you know a future where things get so digitize that we just don't have the ability to remember things if it's gone you know like there, there's that problem i mean there's that problem right now with crappy 80s movies and stuff like a lot of them only existed on vhs and if nobody does anything with them they'll just be gone you know and in some cases it's like you know big whoop but yeah you know it's just kind of weird to think about that like movies that you and i saw as children especially horror movies especially kind of low budget stuff like just may not physically exist anymore i don't know interesting thoughts mike pondsmith wrote that good times do they talk about that at all? Because I, th- I thought Cyberpunk three happens. So is that is that a thing in twenty seventy seven where they talk about the data crash of the the twenty thirties? Uh, they haven't been yet, but the story right now, from a scope perspective, is relatively small. I'm about, I think, to get sucked into a larger narrative. Fun fact: I did not realize this. Uh, Mike Pondsmith was part of the. Um, he worked for Microsoft on Xbox games in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Also, fun fact, uh, he was on the Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge team. Yeah, I knew that too. I did not. So, <laughs> Mike Pondsmith, um, gaining some hero points. Uh, I think you might uh, might be cracking uh, the top ten soon. Keep it up, sir. You should buy Cyberpunk Red, man. I would Fool. not be opposed to that. I would not be opposed to that. Like I said, the, the world is really, really cool. All right, so I see some other games on your list. One in particular I'm really excited to talk about, but we can wait. Which one are you super excited about? Dragon Quest Eleven. Okay. Uh, I barely touched it. I barely touched it. Ah, you fool. What is it? You get married or you're allowed to get married now? Well, you get married before, but it was kind of weird and problematic. You mean like at the top of the at the top of the, the mountain? No, you're not getting married. That's that's your coming of age ceremony. You gotta come oh, up there. Okay. Well I've I've come of age. I've come of age. Oh wow, it, you're barely into it. Yeah, barely. Um, I see what you say about it being like a warm blanket. Like it's it's classic and it's fun in that respect, and I I'm really enjoying it. For some reason, at first the game did not accept my um, desire for English voice acting, and so I just thought all the characters were speaking a different language because they were <laughs> maybe from a different place. And then I went into the settings because I was like, wow, I'm like two and a half hours into this and nobody's spoken English yet. And uh, yeah, sure enough, for whatever reason during setup. It did not accept my English English spoken. So <laughs> I'm just now starting to get little bits and pieces of the English dialogue. So I can't really say much other than it is classic anime storytelling and uh, yeah. voice acting. Yeah, just wait until you meet Silvando. Oh, my God. That game gets so good at that point. I've been playing some Gears of War 5 because it got optimized for the Xbox Series X. And Isn't it called just Gears 5? I don't know. All I can tell you is that it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful game. Um, and in the optimization, the ray tracing uh, is activated, and it the, the campaign is stunning to look at. So if they can make a last-generation game look that good, I cannot wait to see when stuff starts to hit that's been built from the ground up for this sucker. And then the a, a game hit Xbox Game Pass called Xenomorph Crisis. It's Never heard the of it. 16-bit 
twin stick top down shooter uh, based in the aliens universe that is not totally not based in the aliens universe that you right. never knew you needed, but uh, really, really should get. It's so much fun. I'm having a blast with that game. Uh, and additionally, lastly, I picked up a it's not Z- it's a Xeno Crisis, sir, not Xenomorph. Oh, Z- okay. So I, I got it wrong. Xeno Crisis. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's dope. It's super fun. I'm having a great time with it. Uh, and then I picked up uh, COD uh, Cold War. Uh, a, mm-hmm. because I love the 80s. And B, because, um, well, if I'm to be frank, I got it because it had the little logo for being optimized for the Xbox Series X. And I was like, I really want another game for this. So I did it. Yeah, you were ranting about it, about helicopters. Okay, so, all right, hold on. Let me just get... We're, we're an hour into recording, Jonathan, so, so Sh- be concise. Shut your mouth. This is my time. Okay. <laughs> you, you've gone on your rants. This is my rant. Okay. First of all, let me just say, as a game, it's fun. I'm having a great time. Uh, the campaign is uh, kind of Call of Duty, Michael Bay. It's, it is what it is. It's fun. I'm having a good time. The multiplayer actually is really good. I'm having a great time with the multiplayer, which um, is not normal for me with a COD game. There's a part in the game that takes place, no spoilers here, because uh, it's in the trailer, in the 1960s. And I come around a corner, and these guys are getting in a helicopter, and it's a Huey, except it's the wrong Huey. It's a Huey that wasn't produced until 2001. And a Huey helicopter, of course, quintessential helicopter of, of the, the Vietnam War. How much do you want to bet they just, like, cut and pasted an art asset they had and didn't even think about it. Oh, at this point, I'd say that's about a 130% confirmed. (laughs) So, like, the the traditional Huey has one single large exhaust cone in the back, uh, and it's a two-bladed helicopter with a big fat nose, right? Right. Uh, These have the twin exhausts angled away from the main chassis with four blades and a pointier nose, which is the quintessential... Uh, Huey Venom, which was, I believe, 2001 first released uh, to the military. So, yeah, it's the the Venom. It's a, an upgraded version of the Huey with uh, two engines and more rotor blades, can take more weight, can do more things. And if you're going to set something in history, then at least get your history somewhat right. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it would be like dropping a uh, 2001 Taurus on the street when you're trying to show 1960s America. It annoyed me. I'm probably one of six people on the planet that realized it, and I acknowledge that. I'm a huge nerd, and that's me. That's fair. All right, so one last thing in video games before we move on to our final bout of uh, board games. They announced at like the Video Game Awards The Ruined King, a League of Legends adventure, and I am totes excited for this game because basically it is Battle Chasers 2. I'm down. Yeah, like, like sight unseen, I will buy this new. What happened was they were working on Battle Chasers 2, uh, and then Riot called Airship Syndicate and said, hey, can you make a role-playing game because we want to expand our games into something else uh, using the League of Legends stuff and because we really like Battle Chasers and basically Battle Chasers 2 became this game. The combat looks really similar. I was hoping they would shift to a four-character model instead of a three-character model because because um, in the original game, just having you had your tank and your healer and so you know having that third character that was kind of situational was just kind of, I don't know. I, I was hoping to have more two, two situational characters or something, but I don't know, whatever. I'll still buy it. <laughs> I like sight unseen. I will just buy it. Battle chasers was that good. Yeah. And I have no idea when it it's really is that good. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to buy it and play the living daylights out of this. Yeah. Also, did you see Disney plus is uh, rebooting firefly? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. And it's all sources. This sources that. So, Tongue in, you know, firmly in cheek, but uh, 
I don't know. I've seen Disney's a pretty smart company, and when they bought Fox, they got a lot of interesting things. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see it. I've got opinions about that show, but I will not share them here because that show is beloved, and I am not a big Firefly fan. But the world was interesting. Hopefully, they will they will do it right the second go around. I will leave it at that. Well, you know, showing the episodes in order when it's a serial uh, and therefore allowing the character arcs to uh, express themselves properly is, uh, you know, maybe step one. One of my many problems with that show is I I felt they introduced too many characters too fast. Like Buffy had a similar cast, but Buffy got that cast after three seasons. Like introducing nine characters is just a lot. It's a big it's a big bite to take. Uh, Really, the first couple of episodes should have just been. The, the the ship trio and river yeah. and uh and Sam, maybe uh, maybe, maybe even stretching it to four and and having uh kaylee oh yeah yeah well yeah kaylee sorry I forgot Jane, her. which would make five yeah and then that's still just about a little over half like it's, it's a big difference yeah well even if they cut out river and simon and they became like the season two arc uh you know and they focus season one on just the that the core crew that would be better because it's just yeah it was just way too many characters way too fast that, it's a that cool is, universe I'm, I'm i'm i hope that they get a chance to play in it more yeah hopefully they'll do that thing where, where it'll just be a sequel instead of a reboot but who knows whatever fascinating all right so, board games board games board games we're way over yeah i know board games uh Rallyman gt i there won again oh dude that game has been hating on me lately I don't know, Jonathan. There's ways to mitigate dice and just got to figure out what the option is. You know, honestly, is. the biggest thing is just the layout. Um, I, I often find myself needing to look at it on my phone and I don't see whether it's rainy or not. And it's just because phones are not the optimal place to do that. And that's on me. Well, it's a problem with the interface in general because if, yeah. if it happened while we were all there, we would all see the rain token flip. Yeah, but and that, that would really be to miss. this game. Is, is It was not designed to be played over multiple days. No, I would agree with that. We also have a game of Welcome to going. Yes, uh, which is uh, that's new to me. I am really enjoying it. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of like a kind of like a roll and write, except with cards, which is really interesting. It took me a while to take my actual turn. I apologize for that because I wanted to watch a video. Because uh, the last time I went into a game blind and just kind of stabbed in the dark, it was it was bad. <laughs> no, so, I watched a video before, too. The main problem was I, I wanted to watch a video with Gina, and then during our video time, we would forget to do it. So it just took me a while. So I apologize. For <laughs> but 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 we, we have now been taking our turns. So that is fine. Well, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I think it's a it's a really neat game. I'm I'm liking the same stuff that I like about uh, Roland Wrights. You know, the my one complaint about it is if you're playing the game live, uh, you can write down like a community name, like welcome to, and then you could come up with something, you know, like fartsburg or something funny to you. But in this version, you just have to write, you know, your, it's just your character name. And I'm like, oh man, they should allow us to write something in. Cause you know, just having potty humor would be very funny. <laughs> welcome to farts crack. Don't go in the basement. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I agree. I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated with this game. Yeah, it's got a really nice aesthetic, too. And it's scratching that itch of, like, building stuff that I like, because I, I just like I like building games. And for whatever reason, like, building housing tracks is just scratching that itch. It's like, yeah, got to build the housing tract. <laughs> Heard you got some good housing tracks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm really liking it. I, I, there's a lot to like there. I'm, I'm curious to see our first game conclude. I'd like to play it a few more times before kind of passing any kind of judgment on it. But uh, early returns are good. Agreed. 
Um, along with that, um, uh, you you and I have also begun a game of Star Trek Ascendancy with Ray and Trevor. And um, yes, uh, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, it's a 4X game, so it's fiddly as F. It's not the most fiddly 4X game. I've no, ever... God, no, not at all. Twilight yes. Imperium 3rd, I'm looking at you. Yeah, but I, I've even seen others that are, are more fiddly. Um, I like that they bake in some of the Star Trekiness into the rules. You know, like the Klingons are encouraged to be aggressive. And I'm playing the Romulans, and uh, the Romulans have a lot of paranoia in their stuff. But I also like how everybody gets, like, uh, technology to start with. Uh, and the Romulans was cloaking devices, which means if I initiate combat, I always go first. <laughs> nice. I think that the way it embraces the license is one of the strongest things about it. Um, I think it, it, the, the core of the game also is relatively straightforward. But you're right. It, as you start to unlock more and more, it does get really fiddly. My, my biggest issue with it, honestly, and I think we talked about this in the review, is that the, the rule book is just – it's tough. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Some of the expansion races, like in their rule book, it said like what they're good at. And I was looking for that for the Romulans because that's the race I decided to play because you took the Vulcans, you bastard. Sorry. What's the Federation good at? What's what's the Klingons like? You know, having a page that just says this is what this faction is kind of designed to do, and and actually have the rules have that pan out because it, it basically what they've said they're good at they've kind of turned out to be good at. So good good job designing the game. It would have been nice for the core races. And the and the funny part is like the rule book. Uh, there's like a fan made rule book and and all that. It's like why hasn't somebody added that in? I mean, geez, <laughs> come on, people. And then finally, uh, I sat down with uh, my two boys because they had asked me to teach them the basics of poker. And I taught them how to do um, five-card draw and Texas Hold'em. And we had a good time just sitting around the, the table learning the basics of poker and um, betting no money. The classics, man. When I was a kid, <clears throat> when I was a kid, we had a, a jar full of pennies that my mom had. And that's actually what we'd use for our poker chips because we didn't have any poker chips. So we just had pennies. Yeah, I have, a, I have a nice set of uh, I have a nice set of uh, poker chips. They're actual like uh, clay ones, and they're they're. It was nice. We played with those. It's such a lovely sound that they make when they tink together. Oh, agreed. I have a I have a lovely set that I got from an old job where they gave us a poker set. It was good times. Yeah, so there you go. Teaching teaching the classics to the kids, preparing them for their first play of Red Dead Redemption. All right. I'm kidding. I don't think that either of them is interested in playing that. I just. I know. <laughs> a man can hope, can he? There you go. Which I think brings us to the end of our segment, yeah? Yeah. Well, we went a little bit long, but that's okay. We are going to take a short break, and when we return, it will be time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at ForgotMyDice. And of course you can email us at FMDPodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. 
and will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back from the break, or as Robert and I are now calling it, Snacky Time! Snacky Time. We were supposed to do something on the break, and then we forgot. Oh, and we, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll get to it next time. I'll put it in the notes for 102. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Getting old. That's awesome. And now it's time for our Wisdom of the Crowd segment. This is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. Um, or, you know, a look at a deserted island with not a whole lot going on this time of year. Yes. Most of my news is from a single blog post. Yes. Uh, mine are very softball. This is just a quiet time. Everything's out. Everything's in stores. Go bye, bye, bye. All right. Well, tell you what, I'll go first because I want to. Most of these are highlights of what Modiphius is planning in 2021 uh, because they have a blog post about it. Uh, So the first thing that they have announced is Fallout. The 2D20 RPG is coming out next year. So this is the game we're playing in Star Trek Adventures, Jonathan. They will have a Fallout game based off of it. Interesting. Interesting. Cool beans. It's quarter two is the target date. Considering how much I have liked the character construction in the um, games that I've played in this series, I will be curious to see what they do with it uh, in Fallout. I think that's really an interesting universe to apply this to. Agreed. AEG has announced that they're going to re-release a bunch of their previously released micro-expansions and promo cards. Um, There's some stuff for Mystic Veils, some stuff for Tiny Towns. There might be some new stuff as well they've hinted at. There's a bunch of stuff that's going to be available on their web store, um, including stuff from Mariposas, Valley of the Kings Premium Edition, Smash Up, Tiny Towns, Tiny Trees, um, and Valley of the Kings, and a couple of other things. Mystic Veil, vale, like we said. So go to their web store. They're uh, available now. I don't know how long they're going to last. Um, so if you've, you're a fan of those games, go, go pick those up. They're relatively inexpensive. In that same blog post, Modiphius announced that they have expanded their license with CBS for Star Trek, and they can now include Discovery and Picard content. Oh, snap. Yeah. So they haven't said if that includes Lower Decks. I'm hoping it does, because even though I don't think we need a Lower Decks book, uh, putting the California class in, I think, would be a good thing. And the uh, that other one, the, the engineering boat that they ran into. Just more goodis- goodness from Star Trek. More settings and expansions. Excitement. And it'll be nice because the, the Titan is now canon, so they can throw that in. Oh, there you go. Uh, the Op is back, and they have announced the title of uh, their latest Rising game. So this, of course, started with Than- uh, Thanos Rising, and then there was, uh, I believe it was Dark Force Rising. And this is The Batman Who Laughs Rising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, designed by Andrew Wolf and Patrick Marino, one to four players, uh, usually 60 to 90 minutes. And the Joker sits at the center of the the ring of cards uh, that forms the Rising game. I've not played a Rising game yet, so I'm not speaking from a a position of uh, knowledge here. I've wanted to. They look cool. I always like that they have the big toy in the middle. That's really neat. The press release I'm seeing here uh, says that there are shared mechanics with other games in the Rising lines, uh, but there are some very key differences as well, uh, including a story arc that is unique to this version of the game. So it is available now on the Ops web store uh, or your FLGS if you want to go pick it up and uh, help support them. So, Jonathan, can you believe Modiphius announced something? Ouch, you don't say. 
they announced the tricorder edition of Star Trek Adventures. It is set in, during the original series. It looks it's a little box you could sling it over your shoulder. It looks like an old tiny tricorder, which is cool. It will have a pocket sized rule book, dice, cruise sheets, a three part campaign. And, of course, that deluxe wearable box with a magnetic lid. And that is coming in Q3 of next year, 2021. So, yes, if Star Trek Adventure sounds good to you, this will probably be a good rule book to buy because it will be condensed and it'll be their third crack at it, which will be good. All right. I've got two stories left. The first is for you, buddy. Okay, let's do that one last then. So. Okay, and in that case, this one's definitely for me. Star Wars Armada is expanding with a new core set. Oh, is this when they're adding in the, uh, the Old Republic? Republic starter set. Yes! I'm excited. Galactic <laughs> Republic uh, ships are dope. They're awesome. And, of course, we're going to get a bunch of, like, Clone Wars era stuff. So now I'm really, I'm jazzed. Yeah, basically, it's the same as the starter set from the original game. It comes with one big capital ship and then two medium-sized capital ships. So this is uh, more than just new ships. We actually get a new faction uh, in the game now. So we're going to get our Republic warships, uh, Republic fighter squadrons. Yeah, you get an acclimator-class assault ship and two consular-class cruisers, as well as four squadrons of the V-19 Torrents. So in addition to the miniatures, uh, you are going to get all the associated cards and all the, the accoutrement, if you will, that come along with it. I've not hidden the fact that I am a huge fan of Star Wars Armada, and seeing it go into the, the Clone Wars is exciting. It's genuinely exciting. I will be curious to see how these stack up against um, the ships of the original trilogy. And, of course, this means it's only a matter of time before we start getting our um, Trade Federation stuff and our uh, Separatist stuff. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Weird little ring ships. Those are big. Yeah, they are. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're really big. Yeah. Really big. They're really big. Yeah, super big. My final story, Jonathan, involves one of the Chris's. Arguably the best Chris because he oh, well, has been Captain Kirk. For you, so we have the same story. We have the same story. All right. What is Chris Pine doing, Jonathan? Chris Pine is going to set – he's set to star in Dungeons & Dragons from Paramount. Yeah. So I, I, I am very excited about this movie. It's uh, written and directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who – Dolly? Daly? Their last big claim to fame was the sort of reboot sequel of Vacation, which I watched and enjoyed. I thought it was actually pretty funny. Um, did, you see, did you see Vacation, the reboot? Yeah, it was okay. It was yeah, bad. it was okay. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it was a bit. I, I had a good time. Like, I watched it. I watched it for free because <laughs> it was streaming on something I had. And I, I was I was not disappointed. It was not a waste of time. How about that? Would I have been happy to pay for it? I do not know. That is a different question. And Chris Hemsworth was actually very good in that movie too. Just just being a weirdo. Chris Hemsworth is a funny guy. But yeah, yeah, they're directing it. It's supposed to be a subversive take and whatnot. So yeah, Chris Pine. It's actually got a star. It's supposed to start filming uh, in a couple months. So hopefully more news about stars and plots and stuff while we're on the subject uh chris pine of course from the wonder woman franchise which right. was helmed by patty jenkins right uh who is making a new rogue one movie or not rogue one excuse me who's making a new rogue squadron movie which they say is going to be original and not based off of anything in particular so. which 
I'm totally, totally okay with. I'm so excited. She writes some good stuff. She's a great director. And yeah, this should be awesome. I'm generally what Star Trek or Star Trek, generally what Star Wars has been good at uh, with the sort of, you know, blown to pieces, uh, expanded universe content. They have been very good about mining it for uh, ideas and what they usually pan out of that stuff is usually pretty good because they change it typically in ways that kind of need to be changed to make it more interesting, but they do a really good job of adding it into the continuity. I've been fairly impressed. I am stoked because, um, yeah, I really enjoyed wonder woman. I'm very much looking forward to only in 11 days, uh, wonder woman 84 and yeah, Patty Jenkins is awesome. And I think she's going to give this a great spin. So, yeah, a lot of good film news, um, which is awesome, which is also a great segue. You want to know why, Robert? Why? Because now we're going to talk about not-so-great film, because it's time (laughs) for No Time to Bond, Part 22. This is, of course, Part 22 of our 30-part series, No Time to Bond, where we are watching the 007 movies in order of release date with a few little bonus episodes from time to time. This is not one of the bonuses. I would would go as far as to say this is one of the all-time lows. Robert, what are we talking about? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I forgot to write down the I'm date. I'm not burying the lead, baby. I'm not burying the lead. <laughs> this movie Permi- is a hot dumpster fire with a side order of fiery garbage. Uh, released on November 22nd of 2002, we are watching Die Another Day, directed by Lee Tamahori. And oh my god. <laughs> I died several times watching it. It is atrocious you want to know you want to know what's awful about this so it was made for 142 million and it made 431 million dollars that was the highest grossing bond movie to date at that point wow yeah wow yeah wow yeah this is from 2002 yeah yeah 2002 a mere 18 years ago all right so where shall we begin let's begin at the beginning the bad I, I think we can do an old timey segment here where we can talk about the bad, the problematic stuff, because it is it is re- high up in this movie. This is like a movie, like it's like they learned nothing from the last three movies. Yeah, yeah, and, they, and it's they like kept, they learned nothing from the past tw- 18, 19 movies. What am I saying? Tw- uh, yeah, yeah, because this was the twentieth movie. Okay, this so could we, be the worst one, and that's saying something. One of the problems with this movie, it was the 20th one, and it was also like the 40th anniversary or something. So they threw in references to every previous Bond movie ever in one form or another. Some of them work. Like when you're in Q's workshop and you see all the gadgets from the previous movies, that was great. That made me happy. Yeah, I agree. And But, you know, like the laser from Diamonds Are Forever didn't really need to be there. No. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it had some problems cause they had to shoehorn in weird stuff with plot points and whatnot in a couple of places. And it's like, uh, but, but the thing that they shoehorned in was, oh my God, was sexual harassing semi rapey bond back. Oh yeah. Seriously. This is the rapiest bond has been since the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's in rare form. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he just sort of like. He, he just sort of like starts grabbing women and, and like going like, I'm James Bond. You're totally into this, aren't you? And they're like, oh, yes, James. And it's like, ah, oh, but it's it's just not cool. Like, because he doesn't know any of these people. Ugh. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a mess. 
the yeah. intro segment has some interesting moments, but is generally ridiculous because it's a chase on hovercrafts that go like 30 miles an hour. It was awesome. Maybe. That was not the bad part. The bad part is, okay, so one, the, the, the henchman, he is by a suitcase that explodes with diamonds and he gets diamonds embedded in his face and they never. This, this is Zhao, right? Uh, let me find his actual name. The actor or the, the character? I think the, the character, character is Zhao. Yes, yeah. Zhao, yeah. They never take the diamonds out of his face after 14 months. You think somebody would have pried those out? Fun, fun fact, not too long ago, went to a dermatologist. Uh, I got a mole removed. Uh, it was really easy. They cut it off because skin is pliable. So the concept that you can't get a diamond out of a dude's upper level of skin is friggin' ridiculous. The idea that his skin didn't just, like, grow over it in 14 months is also ridiculous. Also ridiculous. Yes. No, instead he's got, like, racing stripes leading to the diamonds. I guess he's just fast. Well, those are those are his scars. I mean, I get him having scars on his face, but why does he have to have... They don't bling? look like scars. They look like racing stripes. That's it's true. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's not good makeup. Like, yeah. what were they thinking? I, I don't know. Like, I, every time I saw that guy, it was so, like, just record scratch, I'm out of the movie. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like it was almost comically funny. <clears throat> I am I am glad to say that the the problematic racist stuff in it where James Bond also goes back to having a weird fetish with Asian people, it came back with a vengeance and uh the kind of racist bit where the uh the Asian people decide to make themselves white to like hide or some nonsense. Uh it it wasn't great when I watched it the first time. It's still not great now, but at least it's not worse. <laughs> At least it didn't age worse, at least in my opinion. It was still bad, but it wasn't like, you know, like when you watch some of the older Connery ones and things they say about, you know, ethnicities, you're like, oh, that didn't age well. (laughs) At least this was just kind of like, oh, it's a little cringy. It's a little cringy. Not sure. No, no, this was a bad plan. This was a bad plan. Just no. And like, and the fact that he turned himself white, like it, why did that even need to come up? Like it just led to an action sequence in a gene therapy clinic, which is not how gene therapy works, but regardless and then they have like a moment okay. of it later <laughs> no go on go on I've, oh I've no got a quote that, that you'll need okay later, go, go, go oh no that's the quote it just it came up like late in the movie in the third act barely and it's like if they took that out what would we have missed not a damn thing no what's your quote i want to hear this quote now did you see what roger moore said about it no and i quote now from roger moore I thought it just went too far, and that's from me, the first Bond in space. <laughs> and if that doesn't just sum it all up, I don't know what does. And, and we got a villain with a nonsensical plan? Like, it's a known plan. It's like, step one. Actually, it's a lot of steps. It's step one. I'll fake my own death, turn myself into a white guy with gene therapy, sell conflict diamonds that somehow fund this like uh, corporation that I made up where I'm pretending to be a billionaire Tony Stark, you know, whatever, named Gustav Graves, uh, where I can launch a satellite. Step two, step three, North Korea takes South Korea. And I'm like, where's the profit, buddy? Like, where? What? what is your plan? Why do you need a giant F-off satellite to, like, get North Korea to invade South Korea? I mean, I get it. There's a big minefield, but that's, like, not what's stopping that from actually happening. Like, like it was this big, grandiose plan. At the end of the day, it was to blow up a minefield. It was so dumb. Do you know what else blows up minefields? What? 
throwing a rock at it. Yeah. That'll blow up the minefield. You don't need like a space laser. Yeah. Like the whole thing is ridiculous. And then, and we're not even getting to the invisible car. We haven't even gotten to the invisible okay, car. Okay, like yet. the concept of an invisible car it, it works to an extent. You know how you do it? You do it kind of similar to the way um the way the suit worked in the invisible man. You got to have yeah, lenses you, on the outside. Yeah. Well, and and they they said that there were totally lenses on the outside. Like I that's not the problem. The problem is if you had a car that turned invisible, like that guy that just randomly hit it because he couldn't see it, that's the problem. It's like it's like a big giant like rock of death that's just sitting there, and, and oh, it's just a bad plan. You know, it would be a, a, a lot easier to hide um, if the car weren't like a friggin' two hundred thousand dollars supercar. That too. You know, like if you're driving like a, a an Explorer, <laughs> and that Explorer had like a bunch of extra stuff on it, you could hide everywhere. Everywhere, because nobody looks at an explorer twice. You, you remember that old series? Uh, I think it was Vi- was it Viper or no, 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 maybe it was Knight Rider or whatever. But like the Knight Rider car could transform from like a truck to a to a car. Like, why Damn. can't you have that? Why can't you have that? Why can't you just have active camouflage where it just puts dumb crap on the outside? Like, I don't, because it's not two hundred thousand dollars sports car. I, I get it, but uh. yeah. Well, I mean, like, here's the other problem with Die Another Day. It's just one giant product placement. Like, I have never seen such obvious product placement in a movie in a long time. Yeah. Let me hold up my watch to the screen for an abnormally long time. Let me stand here with this bottle of liqueur in my hand for an abnormally long time. If I do my math right, fully half of the production budget was paid for with product placement. Wow. Based off of what I read about it, IMDb. So let's talk about the film's set pieces for a moment. The movie starts out with Bond and some other MI6 dudes surfing in. They're surfing in with with surfboards that are magically laden down with stuff. Fun fact about surfboards, uh, they're made of foam because they need to float. And they are incredibly light because they need to float. And if you put a bunch of equipment in them, they ain't going to float. Okay. I'll take your word for it. You surfed once. I surfed many years of my life. Once once meaning in the past, yeah. not not once as in one time. It's, Sorry. it's asinine. Like, it would have thrown off the balance. They wouldn't have been able to do the friggin' stunts that they would have done, that they were doing. It's, it's just dumb. It's just so stupid, stupid, stupid dumb. Yep. So then we move on to um, England. And you have this stupid jump in with the, the main bad guy, and he uses the uh, Union Jack parachute because he's – I guess they're just trying to make a callback to the when they did it in – what was that? That, the that was Spy exactly it. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but it I'm doesn't not. work because it's the villain. Like that's the whole point. Like it's, it's not for, for queen and country. Well, and it had no purpose because like what did it show? Nothing. It was stupid. It was trying to be Richard Branson, except not. You, you missed the whole part where like Bond got burned and then he escaped, and then oh, yeah, and yeah, Bond's yeah. He's, full he's proof the prisoner, and so we get treated to the most awkward intro sequence I've I've seen in a Bond movie. Yeah, it was genuinely bad. There was not a single redeeming part of it, including the music. Like that song is atrocious. Yeah, Die Another Day is not not a good song. It it it's like. Somebody put a scratched CD into the player and said, ah, we'll just put a bass line. We got this. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's horrendous. And then and then he gets prisoner exchanged and he ends up like in custody and they think that he turned and he busts yeah. out. And then, and then, then he, 
back in England and they have no, 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 no. This is the worst part. This is the worst part. So he escapes and he's in Hong Kong Bay, which somehow he just swims ashore. And then he ends up at like a five star hotel where he's asked for his usual suite, which means he goes there, which means how the hell did they not catch him? You know, and he stays there long enough to get suits tailored and to get food and to shave. And it's like oh, he's setting up did, shop, man. He's setting up shop. How did they not catch? Like, if he, ha- I would buy, I buy that a spy would just have a random safe house in Hong Kong, especially a British spy. I can get that, right? So if he just like broke into a random place and like walked behind a bookcase or something, and there was a room with stuff in it, I could completely buy that. But a five star hotel, like, really? Really? Ugh. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, we, we, we could go on and on. There's not a single redeeming set piece in the film. Uh, no. Especially the completely awkward, terrible sword fight uh, that involves Madonna yelling for some reason. The asinine car chase that doesn't make any damn sense. The completely ridiculous plane crash. I mean, there's. The dumb ice hotel, which... Oh, God, the dumb ice hotel. The stupid ice hotel. The fact yeah. that there's another sword duel at the end in the stupid plane crash sequence. It's just the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. This movie was stupid. I don't know what else to say. Like, there's no way for me to pretty that up. It's a stupid movie. Yeah. It's not even enjoyably stupid, you no, know? No, Like, Bond can be enjoyably stupid. Like, fantastically enjoyably stupid. This is just stupid. Yeah, agreed. It, it's 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 a revisiting of all, all the most problematic elements of the Bond franchise, uh, coupled with with just the laziest writing I've ever seen. And oh God! Oh, the writing was a tr- the directing was terrible too. Every aspect of it uh, was terrible. Like lazy directing, lazy writing. Uh, just even the the song was lazy. Like there was nothing nothing redeeming about this film it is just from start to finish a train wreck of epic proportions and how this made any money i don't understand this should have killed the bond franchise yes i mean this is like the silver bullet to the heart of the werewolf like it's that kind of bad well it's it's why they rebooted it with you know casino royale and and the the travesty of the whole thing is it's not Brosnan's fault. Like he made some great Bond movies, like uh, Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, are, are are fantastic. I really enjoyed them. You know what else I don't get? I remember when this movie came out, they were talking about spinning off Halle Berry's character uh, and starting up a new franchise with her. And I remember watching this movie the first time, and I'm like, Jinx is not interesting. Like, no, she's the least interesting character. And Halle Berry, I I, I have not seen. Very many Halle Berry movies, but I've not been terribly impressed with her in any of them. I haven't seen Monsters Ball, which is—I was just going to say, go watch Monsters Ball. She's capable of amazing acting. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, like, how did they not do Michelle Yeoh? Like from Tomorrow Never Dies. Like, if they're going to do anybody, that she Michelle Yeoh, holy god, oh my god. But anyway, but like, I remember people saying, "I'm like, Jinx is really dumb in this. Like, she's not an interesting character." No, she's not even competent as a CIA agent. Well, she's about as competent as Bond is as a spy. <laughs> I mean, she's just an American Bond. 
um, which is which is problematic because uh, given how stupid this movie was, neither of them were very competent in this movie, which was bad. Like I, I hate it when Bond's not competent, but like Jinx is supposed to be awesome, and Jinx is just as incompetent as Bond is in this movie, and it 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 doesn't do anything for the character. But that, but that's my point. Like I don't understand how they were like we should spin off this character. That seems like a good idea. I, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, skip this one. You don't you don't need to see it. Skip the no. last one too while you're at it. It's probably for the best. We're pretty good at finding positives, even if it is in a dumpster fire. We've done it with several of these Bond movies, especially the older ones. There are still some things to love. You, you know what? You talk about how much you hated Zardoz, but it's come up in several movies and you keep laughing when you talk about it. So, you know. Yeah, because you know what? As difficult as that movie is to watch and grasp, at least you could walk away with it uh, for, with, with some interesting and good memories. Like And... and you know, here we are having had several conversations about it, and anything that makes you talk and think is great. This doesn't make you talk. This doesn't make you think. This just makes you wonder what the hell happened. Yeah. It's like when you come across the the scene of an accident, and all that's left are the the shards of glass on the ground and stains from the, the fluids of the cars, but there's nothing else left, and you're just like, what the hell happened here? It looks like it was terrible, but I, I can't even see what happened here. It's, it's that kind of bad. It's just there's no – not a single redeeming quality of this film. There's not a single moment, not a single set piece, not a single stunt that I sat there and go, oh, that's kind of cool. This is just – Yeah, the CGI was really bad. Oh, man. And you know what the absolute crime of this movie is? It came out the same year as Born Identity. And when you go and watch Born Identity and then you watch this in the same year, you're like, oh, I get it. This forgot to evolve, and Born Identity is the new hotness. Well, and the thing I also, like, as I was watching it, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure Austin Powers 3 had come out right around the same time, too. And, like, Holly Berry's portrayal of Jinx was not far off from Foxy Cleopatra, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like, if she just said <laughs> Shazam really after she smacked people? <laughs> that really worked really, really, really in Goldmember's favor. Yeah, but uh, but you know, but the, her lines were just as bad. The the acting was about on par. But because Beyonce was in a film that was like mocking it and wasn't trying to take it seriously, it worked. But like Halle Berry's character was not that dissimilar from Foxy Cleopatra. That's her name, right? Yeah, yeah, Foxy Cleopatra. And but they weren't. It wasn't a joke. They were trying to be serious with it, and it was just it was cringy to watch. Like it was, yeah, like. I, I mean, we said it when Austin Powers came out when we watched it. Like, Bond movies kept trying to double down and say, no, this is fine. It's really fine. You're wrong. <laughs> and and no, like, I, I think this is the movie where they finally got the point that you just can't do that stuff anymore. Like, you just can't. Like, if you start getting compared to Austin Powers, it breaks. It breaks really bad. Yeah, I, I wish that I could find a redeeming aspect of this film, but there is none. It's just garbage. And it deserves to die and fade away. It is the worst Bond film of all. I don't think that there's a way that any of the Craig movies can even come close to how bad this film was. I'm trying to just think of all the films we've watched. You know, okay, so like like uh, Moonraker, I mean, Moonraker was bad. See, Die Another Day, it's almost 20 years old at this point, and it hasn't gotten better, where Moonraker got kind of kitschy, and it had that going for it, you know? Like, it was, it was, it was bad, and it was stupid. But at least it was like it was bad in a fun way. Like, yeah, Die Another Day is just not fun. It's it's just bad in like a very very 
like, cynical Moon, Moonraker's at least got some cool stuff. Like when they steal the space shuttle in the beginning, that's a cool sequence. Yeah, yeah. It's got some ama- amazing set pieces too. Like there are some good sets. There's some really good stunts. But yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and try and justify Moonraker as a good movie. It's not. And you know what? We've watched plenty of forgettable, like a lot of Moore's movies. We we get them all mixed up because we can't remember them because they're they're kind of bad and forgettable. But like Die Another Day is notably bad. Like I remember it being bad, and it did not disappoint. <laughs> no. No, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. It's tough to get through. Yeah. It's tough to get to the end. Yeah. Whew. It's bad. Yeah. All right. Well, with that train wreck behind us, I think our lives are getting considerably better because we are, we're moving into the Craig area now. So Yeah, 2021 will be all Daniel Craig. All the time. Except for our, well, we're going to have a few more divergences. But yes, Bond will be Craig for 2021. Yeah, it's a, it's a pity. It's a pity. The last two Bonds have both ended on a low note, uh, which more, I thought, ended on a high note with View to a Kill. That's a fun movie. I'll agree with that. View to a Kill was better than these two movies, the last two. I'll give you that. Well, it's better than Octopussy, which came before it. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, 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 I don't think I, – I think you like Christopher Walken too much and you give View to a Kill a little too much credit. However, it was better I like Christopher Walken. I like Grace Jones in it. I just, I enjoyed that movie. I had a great time and it's got some great stunts and some great set pieces. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I I, I am, I'm saying yes, it was definitely, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's pointless dirigible just so that you can throw dudes out of it. I I I don't think it's as good as you remember. I think you have some walking shaped glasses when you, when you look back on that movie and that's fine. That's fine. I'm not the fun police, but how about this? I'm not in love with that movie and I will agree with you. It is way better. <laughs> so much better than The World Is Not Enough and, to, and Die Another Day. Oh. It, it's, it's interesting. The last two Bonds have started strong. You know, like Dalton starts with Living Daylights and then License to Kill is like a two by four to the face. Yeah. And then Brosnan starts with Goldeneye, which some minor problems, but really strong. License to Kill is fun to watch now because it's like everything that's wrong with the 80s. You know, you had like drug stuff and like Miami Vice-ness going oh, on. The Michael Kamen score. And, the, you know, drug cartels and random cults and just and ninjas. <laughs> ninjas. How can it be the 80s without ninjas? But like, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, there was just no character to this movie. Like at, le- at least License to Kill, as bad as that movie was, at least it just like dripped 80s and it was just kind of fun to watch when the ninjas come out of nowhere and you're like what did oh it was the 80s that makes sense ninjas of course there's ninjas ninjas <laughs> like there's nothing just so ubiquitously 2002 about this movie that you can look back on and go oh 2002 was a crazy year <laughs> yeah i i oh it's rough it's rough it's like goldeneye was great tomorrow never dies was 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 just as great, I thought. And then World Is Not Enough was a huge drop. And then Die Another Day is like looking down and realizing you've got a Bowie knife in your gut. You're done. Yeah. Well, onward and upward. We're now entering the the modern Bond era. Next up will be 2006's Casino Royale, which I'm genuinely excited about. It's been a, it's been a minute since I watched it. Oh, where do we fit in uh, Johnny English and all that? Or were we supposed to do it? Did we screw up? Because we just wanted to get to die another day. <laughs> I didn't. Wa- oh god, I didn't want to get there. Oh no, no, no. Actually, yeah, we're gonna have. Oh yeah, Spy and Johnny English are next. Actually, so it, it's gonna be a while before we get to Casino Royale. 
Well, that's all right, because maybe that means that um, we'll actually be able to stall long enough to actually get uh, No Time to Die out in the theaters. <laughs> Truth. Although, to be fair, it's been since 1973 since the word die was used in a Bond title and the movie didn't suck. So, <laughs> uh. so now I'm terrified of No Time to Die. Yeah, no, next up is Johnny English and then Spy and then we'll move into the Craig era. So we've got right, two so we got we got two parodies coming up. Basically, basically our our, our Valentine's a Valentine's Day present to each other will be slipping into the Daniel Craig era. Oh, hey, I like that. I like that. Yeah, right? Daniel I mean, Craig's a good thing to slip into. Yeah. God, I've got a man crush on him. There's no joke there. I like this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Guys, can't get over how bad that movie was. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Let's 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 move on to a year in a life and close this out. Garbage fire. <laughs> it's like the nuke. It's, it's, they dropped a nuke on the franchise. It had no business living past this. <laughs> well, it didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, so join us when we can watch uh, Rowan Atkinson um, basically reenact Die Another Day. <laughs> Just trading one clown suit for another, I guess. Uh, Bond's in this movie. I like. Th- there's a band called Bond where they play musical instruments, like stringed instruments, to techno beats, and I'm I'm actually a fan of them. So I, I right. maybe I'll be present pleasantly surprised. It, it's fair to say I'm not a uh, Rowan Atkinson fan. Yeah, but I am. I'm going to enter it with an open mind. I'm not going in closed minded. Yeah, I didn't care for Mr. Bean much either. The only the only one I laughed at was the one where he goes to the beach. I don't know why that one amused me so much, but other than that, I didn't really care for them. So and I, I I remember liking Johnny English. It wasn't it wasn't Austin Powers, but it was good. All right, fair enough. All right, well that means it's time for our year in the life segment. This is our, of course the segment where we take a look at uh, one year ago and we reminisce. And this was uh, my lucky number, episode seventy seven. Yes, forgot my dice, episode seventy seven. Acronym salad. We did predictions of twenty twenty. And boy did we get it wrong it's a easy one to call because uh there was no rona in our predictions <laughs> true that <laughs> i don't even remember what we did it'll be it'll be an interesting day it'll be an i don't know day. i don't know i do find it oddly appropriate that the dumpster fire that is 2020 ended with the dumpster fire that is die another day for us yeah yeah and incidentally enough happy yearversary for uh no time to bond we did dr no a year ago oh look at that yeah it feels like a million years ago, and at the same time, feels like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. What other movies were we watching then? Uh, I love the copy on this. This was not my line. This is Gina's. But we were watching a, quote, Jonathan got sucked down the whirlpool of terrible underwater films. Oh, this is when it was uh, Leviathan we, and... and uh, Deep Star Six. Deep Star Six and... Uh, you were playing Subnautica. <laughs> yeah, it was like a whole underwater theme to my life at that point. I, yeah. I did not seek that out. That was uh, just kind of like happened. You watch Navy Seals, apparently. Oh, God, that movie's so bad. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, so good times. There's it's, a bad movie that has some redeeming qualities. Yeah. Have you seen Underwater yet? The other Underwater film? This one with the uh, that lady from Twilight. I can't remember her name now. No, not yet. I've I've heard I've heard interesting things. I kind of want to watch that one. Uh, somebody was streaming it, right? I thought I saw it on somebody's streaming page. Hulu, Hulu has it currently. Oh wait, no, that's with an HBO Max subscription, which is where you saw it. Ah, uh, that's what it was. It would have been HBO Max. That's fair. Let's go check that out. 
Yeah, if you want to watch an, a, a modern terrible underwater film, go ahead. That should be right up your bag. Yeah, I got to think about underwater movies. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our look back at last year. Um, and now it's time for us to start predicting what 2021 will look like. I'm basically just going to say um, asteroid hits the Earth because – don't don't dare it. Remember, don't give twenty don't give twenty twenty a, a hand me. Here's my beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> Just don't do it. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. In, in fact, I I don't know. I don't I, see. I don't want to predict something bad will happen because then maybe twenty twenty I'll go hold my beer. But I don't want to predict something good will happen because twenty twenty might decide to get one last kick in. I don't know what I don't know what to do. All right. Well, we're we're, we're going to hit 2021 in the best way possible by thinking about all the wonderful things we want to happen. I, I went a little dark with mine. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's okay. I haven't anyway. written mine. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick, after a quick break. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back for the break. It is now time for our annual tradition. This is what, round four? Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall. Uh, it seems to happen to me more and more these years. So let's go ahead and get started with our 2021 prediction. This is round four, by this the way. I can confirm that. Okay. I was yeah. Right. I yeah. was right. So we have some rules. Um, we're probably going to break them. And that's all right. So rule one. We uh, we got to be able to score it somehow. Usually we go we get very specific that we need to score it, and then we totally just fudge scoring it later. This is usually the first one we break, but whatever. We're gonna we're gonna roll with it. What's our scale? What's our scale, Jonathan? All right, we got a scale. It's uh, five points, mm-hmm. but there's bonus points. You can get a bonus point for um, when whenever you have something that you've added that is very very specific. But the other person has to agree that it's worth the sixth point. So point of order. If it's wrong, it's worth nothing. So point of order. I, I, I think we should up the ante on this because six points, the potential of losing six points doesn't seem to be worth – or the potential of losing five points to get six points doesn't seem to be worth it. I think we up the ante to ten points, but then it's worth nothing. So it's worth double. Double or nothing? I'll, I'm, I'm fine Okay. With it. Okay. I think that's what we need to do from now on. Yeah, I think okay. so. Uh, you can make a counter prediction if you believe the other player is wrong. Uh, and you can also go double or nothing on that if you want to get really specific. And we will have three rounds, unless we have a bonus fourth round, because it happens. Although it won't happen this year unless I think of something while we're talking, because I do not have a fourth one this year like I usually do. I was struggling this year, man. I was struggling. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but there's some like darkness over the past year. It was hard for me to think happy thoughts. <laughs> this year sucked. Yeah. There's really no other way to put it. This year sucked. This year sucked a lot, mm-hmm. which is funny because like a lot of good things happened this year, mm-hmm. but just generally speaking, this year sucked. Yeah, I actually had a really good year professionally, especially. Yeah, but it's been a rough year, and I'm ready to go back to a restaurant, like something as basic and banal as that. Like I have not eaten inside of a restaurant for ten months at this point. Jonathan, you're basic. You're basic, Jonathan. 
That's fair. That's a that's that's a horrible insult, and you're devastated right now. Oh yeah, completely, one hundred percent. Uh, all right. Well, th- we got three rounds yep. uh, with a prediction each. So uh, yeah, let's. Uh, shall we get started? Yeah, let's get started. I usually go first. Do you want to go first? Do you want to shake it up this year? I'll go first. You'll go I first. Don't mind going first. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Or maybe you go first. I don't even hmm. know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I think. I think in 2021, Sony will release a single-player PS5 exclusive game that will get above a 90% Metacritic and be heralded as one of the greatest games definitely of the year, but perhaps even of all time. And so this is a game that will only be on the PS5? Only on the PS5. PS5 exclusive, specifically released from an internal Sony studio, so it'll be published by Sony. Hmm. We should say, we should say, we should have said this earlier, that we are not allowed to make predictions about anything we know about. Yes. That goes without because, saying. Because, yeah, because, you know, sometimes you'll know about things, and yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. I would agree. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree. I feel really good about that prediction. I like legitimately feel really yeah, good I'll, about Yeah, I'll, I'll hitch my wagon to that. I, I, I think you're right. I may have just cheated and looked at the console exclusives coming out this year, but I, yeah. Yeah, if you want to go for double or nothing, you're going to have to up the ante on that because I think you're right. Because we've got God of War Ragnarok and Gran Turismo 7 coming out, and I think both and, – and the, the, We all know Gran Turismo 7 will get delayed like 19 times. And the Dark Horse will be Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That'll either get really good scores or really terrible scores. We'll see how it rolls. Uh, you know, when a Ratchet and Clank game is good, it's really good. Yeah, that's my point. But when a Ratchet and Clank is not good, it's very dull. <laughs> it's it's so not good. Hmm. Do you want to up the ante on that? Thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Because otherwise it's a wash. If we're, if we're both wrong, we both get nothing. And if we're both right, we both get the same amount of points. I think it's going to be God of War. Oh, you're going to go with God of War? You know what? I'll still I'll still hit you. I, of of the three, I think that's the one that'll get that kind of score. So I think you're still right. <laughs> so I think there'll be a new God of War game in 2021 that will average 90 percent or higher on Metacritic. You know what? 93 percent or higher. Okay. On Metacritic. You know I'm still with you though because the last God of War game was really good. <laughs> you know if you want to go double or nothing, tell you what I'll I'll try to go for the steal. I think two games will come out at above 90%. And I think it'll be uh, one of the three that I just mentioned. It'll be Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, and or Ratchet & Clank. Two of the three of those will get above 90%. And you think that those are all be in 2021? Yep. I'll, go, I'll be bold. I'll be bold. What? What you got, Jonathan? Go you got nothing. Oh, I thought, I thought you were talking to somebody in the room. No. What you got, Jonathan? You got nothing. You got nothing. Uh... All right, my- you know that's a that's a pretty bold one. I think I'm going to stay where I am. I like where I am. I, I I'm going to get points for it, and I don't think you're. I think you might have overreached with your steal a bit. All right, all right. We'll see. We'll see. I'm feeling bold. All right, my first per. Good talk, baby. Good talk. My first prediction: by the end of the year, Watsy will announce D and D five point five, which will mostly be an errata pass on the system, but. <clears throat> the new PHB will include the revised Ranger class, possibly the Artificer, and the new class options from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything will become standard. 
and where they're talking about the the alignment rules being a role playing tool and not a catch all for an entire race of beings. That of course will also be in there. But the core system will not be different enough to invalidate DM's Guild and third party purchases. So archetypes and all of that will still be at the same levels. Hmm. Fifth edition was two thousand fourteen. No man, uh, fifth edition's getting way old now. I think it's I think it's eight years old at this point. It's actually one of the longest serving editions of D anD D at this point. Do me do me a favor. Double check that. Double check. I, I, I am. I'm, I'm looking it up. I can only Wikipedia so fast, sir. Uh, fifth edition, two thousand fourteen. You are correct. So yeah, it's six years okay. old at this point. Okay. Original came out in seventy four. Uh, second edition came out in. Did not come out in 1989. I, oh, no, I could buy that. Okay, so, yeah, first edition was the longest-running one. Second edition okay, was in 89. So third you, edition you was in think, 2003. So, yeah. Clarify your prediction for me. Clarify. Okay, so in, during third edition, like three, four, five years into third edition, they came out with 3.5, which was basically the same thing, but basically not. So what I'm saying is 5.5 is going to come out. It is going to be, it is going to be a new book. Like, they're going to try to buy get you to buy a new trilogy of books what yeah what? yeah they did this with 3.5 they did it with 3.5 and it sucked it sucked then i'm thinking they're gonna do it though um so they got yeah third edition came out in 2000 and in 2003 3.5 came out okay so basically what it's gonna do is it they're gonna try to get you to buy the books again it's gonna have like a rata passes it's gonna have uh in tasha's cauldron of everything they have these new they slide in new class abilities into all the classes. Like they just give them extra class abilities to try to balance them out. Um, I think that's just going to go in standard. Like I think that's just them previewing 5.5 at this point. Um, and then all the stuff they've talked about of, you know, not being so colonialist and racist is going to go in there. And, but it's not going to be so different that it'll make like DMs guild purchases and all that. It, it won't invalidate them. Cause 3.5 did that. 3.5 was just different enough that old stuff didn't quite work with it. You had to convert it a little bit. And I don't. I think they're going to try to avoid that, but they're going to try to get you to buy the new, the books again anyway. I'm going to disagree. Okay. And then for the steal, I'm going to say that it gets announced this year, and it's sixth edition, and but the release is 2022. Well, that's what I said. I don't think it's going to come out this year. It's going to get announced for 2022. Oh, okay. But by the end and of the I'm year, they're sorry, going to announce it. They're going to say it's going to come, but it's going to be 5.5 specifically. It's not going to be a sixth edition. No, I'll, I'll take sixth edition for the steal. Okay. I don't think it's going to be a point five. Okay. Okay. And I think that it's going to have all the stuff that, that we talked about. It's going to have all the, the, the extra stuff. All the stuff that, frankly, should have been there. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you in that respect, but I'm going to say that they're going to call it a sixth edition. Okay. For marketing purposes. And, yeah, they're going to try and get you to buy some new books. So, yeah. But they're going to figure out a way to make the old books work. Okay. But they're going to call it sixth edition. That's your- it's going to be sixth edition, but they're going to find a way to to keep a lot, some of the older books in play. Okay. So FYI, third came out in two thousand. Three point five came out in 03. Fourth edition came out in tw- two thousand eight, and fifth edition came out in twenty fourteen. So we are we are at at the point where they would start thinking about this at this point. So I I agree with you that they will announce it this year. I agree with you that it will come out in twenty two. But I think it will call it a sixth edition, and um, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool. Second prediction, Jonathan. I'm going for a sports one. Okay. I think we will see a major league team, whether that be baseball, 
or basketball or football or soccer. Okay. And not specifically a woman's league, but a, a like what would be considered the top tier of any of those sports. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have a full-time uh, female coach. I don't know that it'll be a head coach, but it'll be somebody on the coaching staff. So you're putting me in a tight spot, Jonathan, because if I disagree with you, then I... You're making commentary about the world. You're not making commentary. Yeah, I know, but I don't want that to be right. <laughs> but the, the pragmatist want, it, it wants to disagree with you. You know what? I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Well, okay. To, to be fair, there's already a couple of, of women that have made coaching. So, so I guess I would have to say, you know what? I'm going to say a head coach. It's going to be a head coach. A, a major men's sports team will have a female head coach. Uh, no. I, I just I was just thinking about it, and I think Tampa Bay uh, hired a couple of, of uh, female coaches. So is, it, so so is this men and women's league or just men's league? Men's league. Men's league. Because there's already head coaches that are, are yeah, women in women's leagues. Oh, man, I'm going to disagree with you. All right. So you're, you're, you're betting on the patriarchy and I'm betting on the progression. I don't want to bet on the patriarchy. No, it's not about what you want. You're, this is betting. This is betting. It's just the, pet, the patriarchy is strong. It's quite- it is. It is. I feel like I'm actually out on the limb on this one. I feel like I might be a year too early. Okay. All right. All right, my number two. <laughs> I said number two. <laughs> yes, you're number two. All right. With the pandemic messing everything up, we will start to see the various board game simulators and companies get more paid content. So we'll see more like paid DLC for a tabletop simulator and even more releases by because Fantasy Flight just makes their own stuff. But we're going to see more of that. And on the flip side... Those same companies are going to begin to crack down on Tabletop Simulator and all the free, you know, virtual board gaming things because they're going to want you to pay for it. Mm. And so we're going to see them start cracking down on the modded stuff. I'm going to disagree. Okay. If anybody does it, it's going to be Fantasy Flight. Yeah, I agree. But I think if Fantasy Flight does it, other companies will follow suit. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I don't think they're ready to piss people off yet. So I'm going to say no. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Jonathan, bring us home. What's your third prediction? <sighs> this is tough, man. The Rona's really kind of messed with stuff, right? Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm going with a movie. And I think that with deep fakes gaining so much power, I think that we are going to see a movie in 2021 that will finally have a resurrected person in it, but done in a more convincing manner than we've seen so far. Because so far we've been able to, to, to pretty much call it out when something is, is de-aged or, or uh, somebody's resurrected. Yeah. But I think that we're going to see something this year that will finally, like, it, it'll be like, you can't tell. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that. I'll go for double points. I'll say somebody tries to do it again this year and they get resoundingly smacked down for it as being disturbing and weird. But that could happen along with mine. Oh, that it's convincing? Yeah. I mean, there could be two movies where somebody gets smacked down and I don't think that's specific. Well, I I will say it's there will be no movie where it's convincing. And in fact, when somebody tries to do it again this year, they will get smacked down for being crass. 
Oh, I'm not saying that they might not get smacked down for being crass, but I, I think that we're, we're looking at the technology. We're looking at the technology. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be like to the point where you cannot tell that somebody, like if you watch Rogue One, for instance, and you look at, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Like it's good. It's great. Even it's really great, but it's, you could still tell it's not real. I think we're going to get the first one. We're going to be like, holy crap. I can't believe that guy's there. Yeah, no. I, or, or, or girl for that. Matter. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with that. I don't think we're there yet. You don't think we're there yet? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So what's your, what's your third one, Robert? Same thing with the year being somewhat chaotic, even with the vaccine going out and everything and people still wary of traveling. I am predicting that one major tabletop convention will announce that they are going cross-platform and will be virtual and live in 2022. Mm. And by major, I mean, I'm talking like PAX or Dragon Meat or BGG or uh, Gen Con Origins, like big one, big one. See, I I agree with you. I agree with you. So, yeah, I'm going to need more from you on that one. What if I upped it to two? (laughs) No, I agree with you. Hmm. What if I opted that one of them will still be entirely virtual in 2022? And I'm talking a big one. No, I I don't disagree with that. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Oh, my God. I got up the ante. The harder question is which one goes back first? Well, I don't think – how about this? I I, I could see it not happening in 2021 at all. Um, Yeah, me too. That's That's the problem. Which one goes back first? Okay, okay. I think the first convention to go, the first major convention to go back physical, PAX is pretty late in the year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's going to be PAX or Origins. Do I want to be, do I want to be positive or do I want to be cautious? I think Origin is still summer, so that's. Well, it's like April, I thought. It's like early summer. Origin? Origin, yeah. It's, it's the first, it's the first June. big one of the year, right? Because it goes Origin, Origin, Gen Con, BGG. Those all happen right around the same time. And then PAX is pretty late in the year. Uh, no, June. I was right. June, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's Gamma is pretty early in the year. That's what I'm thinking of. Well, Gamma's February. Right, right, right. But Gamma's not a real con. But it's not open to the public. Right, right, right. Still, Cautious, cautious is still Origins because that's the first big one of the year. Okay. I'm going to go with PAX. PAX Unplugged is going to be the first one back then, even if it is partially okay. virtual. They're going to have so that's a- in, in fall in Philadelphia. Um, you think PAX Unplugged is December 10th, 2021. You think that'll be the first major one back? Yes. What are we defining as major? I don't know. I mean, there's only there's only certain large conventions that have big attendance. I, I mean, I, I gave you the list. It, the, the the list to me of big ones is uh, like Dragon Meat or something. The one in Atlanta. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. Um, Pax Unplugged. Uh, that's the Simon one. Uh, Gen Con Origins. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you then. I think it's too late in the year. Huh? I, I'm going to disagree. Okay. Well, that's it. That's all I got for predictions, sir. All right, well, there you go, gang. Those are our 2021 predictions. There's only one way to find out who amongst us is right, and that is to tune in to January of 2022 when we have our reveal. 
Well, that brings us to the end of our predictions. We'll see you in 2022 when we find out the answers. But more importantly, we'll see you in episode 102 when we talk about the answers to our 2021 predictions, which were made way, way back in December of 2019. A better time. Time before the Rona. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be weird when we hit an episode. the Rona really messed. Because didn't we have a film prediction or two last year? Oh, yeah. I know. I, I, we're, we're boned. I think you're going to win because uh, you, you, you played Dirty Pool about a Kickstarter prediction. I remember it now. Because you said you would only back you, – you would back less than five Kickstarters and I, I think that has occurred. <laughs> I don't – I legitimately don't remember what I said. I think it was five and then that's when we – after I agreed to it. You, you fa- i got to be honest with you, Robert. There hasn't been anything that's ca- caught my eye. I've been watching. Yeah, I'm just saying, man. I, I, dirty pool. Because you, you found out you'd only back three the year before and then you said, I'm, I'm not even going to back five. It's like, but, you did- but I seem to recall finding that out. After yes, yes, you got on, you played dirty pool. I'm I'm accusing you of dirty pool. No, I legitimately don't remember. Right, you relig- I understand you. It's still dirty pool to not even look oh, that okay. up beforehand. Wait, to not look at it beforehand. Quite, dirty pool? quite. Yes, it's dirty pool. But you have access. You know what I order. No, I don't have access to that anymore. You have a privacy setting up. I can't see that. Do we really? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I would have shut that off. I, I didn't even realize I had this privacy. Setting. I I didn't even think about it because i assumed if you said <laughs> that i will back five or less kickstarters this year i assumed that meant that you had backed five or more the year previous i'm not you know what i'm not even gonna look at how many i backed this year i don't know i don't know and i don't want to ruin it for next episode all right all right because there is still time left if something happens in the next what is it Six. 17 days yeah I might still back a Kickstarter. Yeah, so I don't I've, wanna, I've been trying I to put my thumb on that know. scale, man. I keep I keep sending you stuff. <laughs> I don't want to know what I've done uh, because that would not be fair to the to the contest. All right, all right. Are we going to score this year's stuff on the old system or the new system? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. We'll figure out. We'll talk about it next that, time. That, that's a future Jonathan Robert problem. Yeah, that is future us problems. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Of our predictions and the end of this episode, which means it is now, once again, time for us to say goodbye. So long, farewell, Advita saying goodbye. Yeah, dear 2020, (laughs) see ya. (laughs) Wouldn't want to be ya. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode, which means it is time for us to wish you one more time to join us on all of our digital domains. We love hearing from you. Discord's really the big one these days. We were, we're, we both chat on Discord, all you, you more than I. I don't always get the notifications, and then, frankly, I forget. I had a lot on my mind. I had a lot, of, a lot, a lot going on during the day, so I don't always have time. You, you, should, you should make sure you've turned... Pull out your phone and make sure you've turned those on. It is on. It is on. I double checked, but they don't always come through. But the same happens for like work email and stuff too. Like sometimes notifications just don't come through. All right. I don't know. I'm I'm overdue for a new phone. My battery's dying too. This thing's like two and a half years old at this point. All right. Cool. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. Maybe you're born with it. Could be. That's fair. So Robert, any final thoughts? You know, I was going to do the dirty pool thing for final thoughts, and I preempted that. I jumped the gun. So now... As long as you didn't jump the shark, I think we're going to be all right. We jumped the shark a long time ago, sir. Yeah, but that's part of our shtick. (laughs) 
how about how about have a great great new year and christmas everybody this will come out right before christmas if i do my math correctly so yeah have a good christmas everybody it's been lovely 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 no it hasn't but the show's been lovely having you as part of our lives has been lovely yeah absolutely honestly and i don't say this with sarcasm one of the highlights of 2020 uh and one of the things that's kept me going has been doing the show with you every couple weeks and then uh, just the general interactions and getting to know people better as uh, we chat on discord and even playing games with some folks so yeah absolutely that that's really helped it's legitimately helped this show has brightened my life for a really rough year agreed so thank you all yes i guess this is my deliverable from that thank you thank you thank you not just because you're listening uh, but because you're awesome people and you're making another person's life a little bit better. And I say thank you to that. Many happy returns. Indeed. Indeed. I hope that I am keeping my end of that bargain up and entertaining you as well. <laughs> and if I'm not, it's Robert's fault. When, when, when did you become the goofy one and I become the straight man? Like, when did that happen? I don't happen? know, man. I don't know. Like, when did we change? Because I've, I've definitely become more of the straight man recently. I'm, I'm definitely pulling that that straight man voice of late of the. Oh, all right, it's, maybe it's a natural progression. Things evolve, man. You know, we're in our what fourth generation now. We're about to be in our fifth generation. There's only been one podcast. We haven't had like volume. This isn't like forgot my dice volume two. No, but there's a there's you know there's going to be changes from year to year. We're growing. We're changing as people. <laughs> And Obama. Those two things. It's them. Play us out, Johnny. <laughs> well, with that, there's only one last thing left to be said, and that is, of course, to be excellent to one And party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. 